Today's show is brought to you by Takamini Guitars. Check them out online at takamini.com. Welcome to this episode of Under the Marquee, coming to you from Nightbird Recording Studios in the underground of the Sunset Marquee Hotel in West Hollywood, California. My name is Chris Cope, and I've been producing an acoustic showcase called Live at Sunset Marquee for the past 10 years. The show features some of the best independent artists from around the country, and we just happen to have one of those here with us today. time you cross the line you never call home down I no reply you left me all alone how long it take to contemplate the thought inside of me as long as you got thoughts my thoughts or your thoughts set me free now I see facility where I Dustin DeSalvo from John the Martyr today. You guys had an amazing show. You closed it out for us um, Friday night, our, our summer music series live at Sunset Marquee, and uh, that was kind of an epic gig. That was an epic night. What did you guys think about it? Oh, we you. had a blast. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I think the best part was when you got on stage with us. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, is he calling my name? <laughs> you know, and I walk up and Bill's looking at me and I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. But that was a lot of fun though. Probably good that I didn't have a lot to drink. Actually. <laughs> if well, I you, had a lot to drink, it would have been messier. <laughs> you caught on really quick and nailed it. And like on stage and Bill... Uh, he likes to put people in the spot, but you never know how far it's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> and he definitely took it further than before uh, with that. So, oh really? And and you executed, man. That was awesome. <laughs> it, it was really cool. I had a friend, uh, actually my wife um, and a friend, but uh, asked me like, "How did you know the words to that song?" And I was like, "What are you talking about? I never heard that song in my life." <laughs> but oh. uh, actually, I probably have heard it because I've been listening to y'all's music for for quite a few uh, months now. Actually, knowing oh, nice. that you guys were going to come out and play but uh i don't know it was just kind of like well it's just it's the chorus man you just kind of roll with it so but uh, that was a lot of fun yeah you guys have been out here since thursday you played a gig uh where on thursday bootleg theater oh yeah that's right so how did that one go it was great a lot of fun um, pussy jones and the review opened up for us incredible band if you ever get a chance to go see those guys they're wild they're really great they put on an awesome show so that was really cool it was like, Brought a great crowd and yeah. had a blast. That's a great venue too. Yeah, yeah, super, super fun. Yeah. So Thank you, you guys are kind of the instrument of uh, development behind John the Martyr, right? Yeah, we yeah. we started it together. We grew up together in New Orleans and kind of got it going in New York. Both of you were, grew up in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. we yes. went to uh, middle school, high school, and eventually college together. And uh, really, yeah. And then he was. First out in L.A., and then he moved to New York and found Bill, and things kind of started from there. What happened to your accents? 
<laughs> Everyone always asks that, man. It's crazy. I don't know. My dad, you, a, a lot of people from New Orleans have this like yaddy accent. Mm. And it's like, wait, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. It's kind of like a Long Island accent almost. Right. Which is funny, but uh, I don't know. It didn't happen. Didn't like, happen. All throughout work, uh, when I was younger in college, when I was working in New Orleans, people didn't believe me I was from there. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to just hide mine right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good. It adds character. Kyle, you moved out to New York first? I moved out to New York in, I think, 2015 and from L.A. And, yeah, so moved out there and just started kind of messing around, meeting different musicians, going to gigs and recording in the back of Guitar Center. I turned, oh, yeah. Yeah, I turned there. Um like lessons room into a little makeshift studio with the guy who ran rentals there. And it was a cool little, little scheme we had going for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, in 2015, I think is when I moved out there. And you just gave up on LA or what? Oh uh, man, I miss it. I was here for, I think three years and, uh, no, my little brother was in school up there. And so, and then, uh, I was working in film production and had a project out there and, really fell in love with it and then also wanted to stick around because my brother had a like a year and a half left of school so I wanted to just hang out there and I kind of I I still they're they're both awesome but yeah, yeah. I kind of fell in love with New York it's a great town man yeah a lot of fun yeah definitely and so you guys were telling me the story about how the band name John the Martyr came uh, came about the other day I'd love for you to share that with our listeners today but uh, so you moved to New York uh, up from Dustin from uh, New Orleans to New York yeah exactly to hang with him yeah and and do something magical yeah and that's how John the Martyr got started yeah okay tell me that story the first time I came to New York was for his little brother's graduation actually which was in 2015 so you had to been out there before 2015 because so kyle's been lying <laughs> well um, <laughs> i heard that about you i moved i know i moved out in october of 2015 <laughs> and i had been there uh prior because uh this because of what happened but uh kyle picked me up from the airport and was like hey i've got a surprise for you or whatever and uh we had really good plans for the night we're going to see tv on the radio at king's theater it's like one of our favorite bands and um great first day getting into new york and we're leaving the the airport and uh he starts playing a song and i was like oh this is a surprise <laughs> and it was feeling good it was like a demo of feeling good ah. and i was blown away i was like dude this is serious let's get serious about it and really do it uh because we'd just been playing music in the attic of my parents garage like throughout high school and college and just messing around we had some tracks and songs or whatever but nothing serious we never recorded and then wound up moving out and we um we had this interesting job working um on the upper east side uh as caretakers for um a pastor that had a shut down parish and we had to live in this shut down church <laughs> which was awful man it was it was like a four story brownstone it was the worst situation ever <laughs> oh yeah that sounds horrible yeah. <laughs> with demons and all that <laughs> <laughs> well they had uh, they had a little color they knew, yeah. yeah they knew but, how to party <laughs> yeah it was insane though there was like we we lived in this old rectory and uh there was a church on the backside of it and we started working on all the demos and producing the music getting it and to form uh in the basement of that church there's like a huge auditorium under yeah. the church 
and like That's nuns were really? working out in there sometimes because there was like the sisters of life next door that still were in that property and so you'd see like a bunch of nuns walk by like every once in a while it was really awesome um i don't even still don't know if that, that was real yeah was, we might have been seeing <laughs> those not those sure. were the demons yeah. <laughs> who knows what it was uh, <laughs> But uh, that parish was called John the Martyr. Yeah, so, lo and behold. Yeah, yeah, and so that's how the band name came about. When you guys, so you wrote the first. What was the first track? Feeling good. Feeling good. Um, do yeah. we have that? We that is yeah. That should be on. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one. Can you cue that up, Chris? Um, Bill actually wrote the second verse to that song. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the first one we demoed. So I've so, I met Bill through his duop group. And then this was like the first thing I kind of just played for them and like muted my vocals. And then they were doing doo-wop backing vocals on, on the chorus. Ah. But then there was, the, had a verse up and one of them told Bill to sing it. Uh, and Bill did. And that's, that's when I first heard him singing lead. And I was more interested in just doo-wop like vocals and samples at the time. And, but then when I heard Bill singing, I just, I wanted him to sing kind of everything that I had floating around. And he, uh, and we got together to work on the demo, and then he—I didn't have a second verse, so he—we kind of just were chilling there in Guitar Center, and he wrote it there at Guitar Center. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible.
so that you have to tune into their music. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that was so he wrote that second verse, right? Yeah, Bill did. Yeah, I can see where that could easily go into a doo wop kind of a song, but um, I also feel the the kind of like the soulfulness and the um, I don't know, like almost gospel like feel for that song. It's pretty amazing. So Thanks. what your uh, your in your motivation for writing that one? I think I actually wrote that when I was still or started it when I was still in LA and I just wanted something kind of simple, you know, about feeling good with someone you care about. I mean, that was I was feeling that, I guess, and but the doo-wop thing when I got to New York, uh I I was mostly just working. I was working with our our friend Chris who has a studio out here. And then when I got out there, I was kind of just working on my computer. And then, you know, like I was saying, just going to Guitar Center. And so we have a studio now, but at that time I just got there. I was like floating around trying to just do whatever I could. And uh, I was thinking just more about capturing like some of these sounds, like these do-up guys that I was seeing on, on the subway platform or at Herald Square and incorporating them into whatever I was me messing around with. But then hitting it off with Bill led to, wanting to go more of a traditional route with it and then when Dustin moved up being the drummer you know we we tried it out live just guitar drums with him and vocals at that same guitar center <laughs> and uh, I think time was the first song we played and then then it was like all right let's let's play live let's get some some instruments involved in this you know yeah yeah and 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 because Bill we could see it like the showmanship just right there in that tiny little room so it was, it was, and I had been recording demos with him into a MacBook, and he just like wasn't feeling it, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> so once Dustin got up there and he heard the drums, and we were actually playing live, that's he was into it. You know, so yeah, you, I, I just see you uh, reminiscing back there just a few minutes ago, Dustin. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. It was the first time playing with Bill, so it it really left uh, a big mark on us, and um, everyone was just really feeling it after that, and it, just thinking about that, and then also. That was one of the tracks, one of the few tracks that are on this album that we used to just jam out in the attic, my parents' garage, that like neighbors could hear and be like, "Oh, y'all are starting to sound palatable." <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, thanks. So yeah, so like it's gone a long way. Um, just thinking about all that. That's cool. So yeah. uh, how did you guys come across Bill? Uh, I've heard yeah. some weird stories. There's been a lot of yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot of interesting stories, but when I was just when I first moved up there. I, you know, everyone who's lived has lived there for like I guess over a year or two gets used to all the, the wild elements in the subway and stuff. But yeah. I was really just into like all the performers and stuff and recording them all. But the duops, there was a few duop groups, and I, I would start to see regularly, and they were, I really loved them because it's my dad like raised me, you know, like all the the Motown songs and the like soul stuff and uh, new, okay. old New Orleans music and stuff, and so. Uh, I reached out to them uh, in the group that Bill was in, Spank, uh, and they, I asked them to come get in the studio and was gonna pay them to just come record duop vocals, and I met Bill through that and heard him sing lead and then asked him to just keep working with me and he, we kept meeting up and just started working on other demos, and I just got his vocals down on all these different concepts over like really crude instrumentals and weird even electronic stuff and all that just have the chord progression and all that and the it, first the first song you you recorded with him was which one feeling good feeling good that was the first uh demo we tried and then started putting then time and and uh just yeah put his i think 
recorded his vocals on like four or five songs that I had. And then when Dustin got out here, we recorded drums to it and then put, put a couple of them on SoundCloud. And, out yeah. here meaning New York. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, New York. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> Don't know where I am right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. One of the other songs we were going to uh, feature here today is Cross the Line. So yeah. how did that song come about? Where is that? Where, where, how does that originate? That one was in, after my brother graduated, we went to Honduras where my mom's from and we were in the Bay Islands there. And I just started messing around on the computer and I was trying to do like a, I think I was listening to a lot of LCD sound system at the time. So <laughs> I don't know. It ended up this way, but and I just I thought for a second you were gonna say I was gonna write some calypso music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like that doesn't that didn't work. Did it? <laughs> no, and whatever it was, it didn't work. Turned into whatever it is now. But yeah. I had I recorded my voice on it with the lyrics and just like wanted something with some energy and like big bass and all that. And uh, and then yeah, we tried to add, we did bring that through. I think you know Dustin smashing the kick and then like we get the bass kicks in really hard and it was cool to see bill react to that as opposed to like a feeling good because he you know i don't know if he ever sang on a track that just has this heavy synth bass just come in on the one like really loud and then then he reacts to that and just goes with it and it's pretty cool to see that happen you can uh you can see the music almost uh, flowing through him when he performs. It's kind of a, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all on the fly, just reacting to. Yeah. yeah. One of the best things that uh, when the music flowed through Bill, uh, we were down in New Orleans playing at Bayou Boogaloo, and oh. uh, one of the more shocking moments in the John the Martyr career was when Bill busted his first split on stage <laughs> that we didn't know existed. And we're in the middle of playing time, and then all of a sudden, Bill just drops and does this full James Brown split and, like, pops back up and then just hits, like, this high shout. And Kyle and I turn and look at each other, <laughs> and we're, like, picking our jaws up off the floor while still trying to play music, and it just blew our minds. But That's amazing. And uh, when he gets in it, it's something else. It's like, he's And you said force. he was 70 at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. at that time. He was yeah, it was 70. two years ago, and, yeah, 72. Man, he moves around on stage, like, uh, much younger man. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's got quite a uh, um, a history. He was telling me um, about um, his time in the service and uh, yeah. And he used to run track, and he was in the 1936 Olympics. Um, I was just like, what? And he's like, you take care of your body, it'll take care of you. You know, kind of a thing. So wow. it doesn't surprise me actually to to meet him in person and 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 get that. Uh, that history lesson from him, but he's a, he's a cool cat. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> you guys now, so you have, uh, how many people in the band? Uh, 11 right now. Wow. There's a little bit of switching out with artists depending on where you're performing or just in general. Yeah. Uh, d depending on who's available, the toughest part about a big band really is the budget. Yeah. To be honest, because <laughs> sure. you have to pay them all off. So, like, depending on the gig, like, we might not be able to bring the full 11 pieces on or whatever, but it's like, it's a big family now. And we played sports together, like, uh, all sports together throughout high school and whatnot. And it's cool to step onto a stage with 11 people and feel the same way you did. Oh, like, yeah. You know, that kind of team 10, yeah. 15 years ago, stepping onto the field with 11 people or whatever. It's, it's pretty cool. So, the two of you are, uh, do you work? collaborate together on the musical arrangements or is that one of you more so than the other because kyle i know you uh write most of the lyrics 
Yeah, I mean, we we are now a lot more, and we work on other stuff together to just jam, and we've always jammed together and didn't really... And then I got into recording. We have a studio in New York, and it's a little bit more, you know, like, let's figure it out through jamming it out and stuff like that. That's yeah. cool. What you, Now, you guys uh, both play multiple instruments. I Yeah, I mean, I play a little bass and keys uh, and and mostly but mostly guitar mostly yeah. guitar yeah and yeah uh drums and percussions and i can diddle on keys i'm not really that multifaceted like the rest <laughs> of the guys in the band to be honest but um yeah yeah you're talking about some of the the guys on horns uh, yeah tell us yeah. a little bit about them one key element to our band that opened a lot of doors was our sax player martin and he helped with a lot of the compositions as well um string compositions and the horn guys worked as a, a team in the recording process for the horn parts, we would kind of feed them ideas of what we want here and what we want there, but give them the freedom to like riff and come up with whatever. When we recorded this album, we did it really fast. We played like one show at the Mercury Lounge. We're like, all right, let's record an album. <laughs> and um, it's funny how fast it all actually really happened. Martin Seiler, our saxophone player, introduced us to a lot of the musicians in our band. Mm. There was a guy prior to him on trombone, uh, Andy Sharkey, who helped with that too. Uh, he segued, he helped us meet all these musicians and whatnot. They all wound up have uh, been playing together in some other band before in uh, different bands, and everybody wound up knowing each other. So there was a really good vibe of like everyone really coming together and um, just working together and getting it done, which is really cool. And so we were talking earlier about that, uh, that song, um Working man, how did that one come about? It almost sounds like a song that Bill would have written, <laughs> but I mean, watching him perform that, I mean, it was like you can feel it coming out of him. But that's actually the one song on the album that I wrote after meeting Bill. Oh, really? And that was uh, we work with Zinc Publishing, and we had like the whole album kind of pretty much done, um, but they wanted they wanted us to have one more song that had a little bit of energy, like time. So. I just spent like a few months just tr trying to write like another upbeat song, but now thinking a little bit more and from Bill's perspective and getting to know him. It was cool to have to connect over lyrics and stuff the way we did it's with where I wasn't even expecting, you know, didn't know what to think or yeah. didn't know Bill that well. But now it's exciting because we all know not each other and we know how we play live and and I know Bill seeing what he can do so it, it's cool that, so that yeah that one came came through that after like two or three tries they finally liked that song that demo um and so and yeah and then yeah Bill just took it took it to another level
know, it's interesting. I, I have, uh, I know some bands that have a hard time replicating the live, the, the feeling, the, the energy from a live performance when they record in studio. But uh, you guys seem to be pulling that off to a large degree. How do you, what do you know, what oh, do you attribute to that? Thank you. Yeah, you're that's, welcome. <laughs> that's like the one thing that, as going to see a concert that I appreciate the most too, is like, too. like the damn, they just executed. Like that's, they it sounds like the recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. which is cool. But you were saying replicating it to into the studio. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, kind of going energy. back and forth. But yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, Dustin. Yeah. Like when oh, you hear yeah, it on, yeah. you hear it, you hear it recorded, then you see it live and you're like, yes, that yeah. was yeah. exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. Fulfilled. Yeah. But, I see a lot of bands live out here and then I hear their recorded stuff and I don't know if it's, it's the totally produce, different. producing or uh, the mixing or what, but yeah, it feels a little flat to me sometimes, but you don't seem to have that problem with your music. Thank you. I mean, we, we recorded in a really cool studio in Brooklyn, uh, Virtue and Vice, and uh, we, we did it, like Dustin was saying, really fast. So I think there was that energy there. Yeah. Um, but it's all it's we're always trying to figure out how to like we never want to use backing tracks or anything like that live yeah. it's just it's cool but just not doesn't i don't know if it would fit with with our sound that well and so like figuring out the lineup for the for the, the uh the venue or the gig and like how many people like we can who's available like dustin was saying earlier it's usually definitely the, like the rhythm section is always pretty much there and if, if we can add as much to that as possible um, we will, but, um, yeah, whatever we, we can do to bring that energy live. And then we just, with the first album, I think just cause it was so chaotic, we, we were just flying through it. And so maybe that, that's a little bit. Yeah. We recorded the whole thing in thing. like two days. Oh, dude, the whole right. album. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then we kept, we went in a couple more times after to like punch something, but really the bulk of it was two or three days. Yeah. yeah that's cool. That's cool. Um, the female vocals on that. Uh, mm. What's her name? So uh, that was actually so Misha Vesio, who is yeah. uh, plays percussion with us, and she's a drummer based in New York City, and she's awesome. She's and she does backing vocals with us. So it's Misha, uh, Rhonda Danette, who is a vocalist in New York that I met through a a, a co-write we did, mm. um, and uh amy bernbaum who's a vocalist out there um so it was the it was three of them um oh, okay but misha's really out of those backing vocalists the only one who has been uh like who's, uh, in, who's the in the band yeah, yeah. who's played a lot who uh, plays chloe a lot wasn't them. even actually with our band at that point yeah, she's chloe, been a yeah. new addition um since then and yeah. chloe chloe played friday yes chloe yeah, played yep. with us friday here um yeah, she's, she's yeah wow she's those so pipes talented. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when bill pulled me up on stage and she started uh uh, singing the back or the, uh, the you know complimenting with her vocals i was kind of i don't know if you saw me i like turned around i was like damn yeah. <laughs> you don't expect it because she's like tiny she <laughs> is a tiny little thing yeah. and uh wow man i was just like holy cow yeah. she has a big voice yeah, she's got a, a big career ahead of she's her. saying i'm every woman at, on our thursday uh at our gig thursday night and ah. she's saying lead on that and it's pretty cool yeah, yeah. Uh, and you guys are with a label or no? Yeah, we're yeah we're with Plus One Records. Yeah, and, and that's predominantly an indie label. Yeah. for a large part, right? Yeah. They're an indie label, and they're under like three hundred Entertainment, which is a bigger label. Gotcha. Um, that's but yeah, we're with Plus One Records. Okay, uh, how do you find uh, the challenge of 
breaking through in the music industry being an indie artist. Oh man. <laughs> it's just luck really. Like there's yeah. so much music out there and everyone's there's so much talent. Uh so there is a lot of talent out there. It's uh, insane. Like we're so lucky and you know, we count our blessings on that because one of the daunting things about our band for at least myself I know um, Kyle can probably relate is that we started playing music by just messing around with our instruments and just playing them and probably listening to music and replicating whatever we're listening to and whatnot. And everyone else in our band went to music school and is a music teacher and like oh, they yeah. can dissect everything and like speak that language. And <laughs> yeah. Um, although I've met a lot of people that have gone to like Berkeley and then dropped out. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That so, happens too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, yeah. That's like the key to success. I know. Yeah. Drop, drop out of Berkeley. Yeah. If you graduate, <laughs> yeah. give it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you messed up. Yeah. There's something you're doing wrong, but uh, yeah. I um, mean, it, I, I think, I don't know. It's, it is a little, there's so much talent out there. There's so many different artists. I, I think it's for, if keeping it fun, it, it started as something fun. And when we play live and when we record and when we're hanging out with Bill, we went over to Barney's Beanery with him the other night, and it was just a blast. Like, yeah. and we were just having fun, and uh, like it was like what he was saying, playing sports is just, it's it's something that every day to look forward to, and then like there's real world work to be done, and get that out the way, and try to get in the studio as fast as possible. So it's it's fun, and I think trying to think about like breaking through and making it and all that can can start adding up and make it less fun so i try to just yeah. Yeah. i think it's all about the songs and just the the, the uh, babies and memories man just yeah keep, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah keeping it fun um that uh it can definitely change the dynamic i'm i'm friends with a few bands that have had their success and you know now there's the inevitable infighting and uh it's like uh come on guys you yeah know, remember the good times kind of a thing so it's a little bit of a be careful what you wish for almost right but yeah. uh you find you're able to make ends meet though as just artists uh as just artists mm, no, no. Not, we're not, not there not in new york i mean yeah we're not there yet. i do like it i have a production company and do like editing and stuff yeah. video editing and just sound editing and and all that which is which is fun but yeah. or at not i mean <laughs> it's all right you know it's fun well not yeah. really <laughs> yeah i mean but yeah so yeah I find most, uh, if not all, of the indie artists, friends of mine um, that I've met, uh, have something that allows them to, uh, you know, make ends meet. Yeah. But, um, the, you were right about the talent out there, though. It is, uh, wow, it's just incredible. There's never a shortage. People ask me all the time, like, how do you find the artists for, you know, Live at Sunset Marquee? And um, in the beginning, because this is our 10th year, although we did skip one year. Um, so next year will be our 10th anniversary. But um, in the beginning, it was like, okay, where am I going to find these artists? You know, And so I went to a couple of different sources. But nowadays, it's like they're all, I mean, they just come to me. Yeah. They're like, how do you find them? I'm like, I think they find me, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. thing. And it is really hard to, to, to listen to it all and then sift through it and then you know, schedule everything, you know, that works for them yeah. and, um, find those really, you know, those, uh, uh, like diamond in the rough, you know, kind of a thing and put them up on the stage and, and give you the, uh, the opportunity to, to, uh, um, get it in front of our audience anyway, which is, um, uh, 
hopefully will you know pay off yeah, yeah. No, oh, it was that was an awesome show man yeah, it was thanks an for incredible us. crowd uh incredible venue i mean just everything about it's been amazing we're very thankful for it well thank you for coming out that was uh um and you're welcome i mean it was uh um amazing like i said an amazing way to close out the season with you guys as well and um look very very much looking forward to the show uh this evening and sorry you're listening to this because the show has already happened <laughs> but uh at rosenthal tasting room tonight it's going to be uh, uh I, i'm sure it's going to be amazing kyle justin thanks for coming in yeah. and good luck with your with your uh, projects uh, great luck with john the martyr thank you thank you again for coming out and spending some time with us thanks, thanks for having us all right cheers guys cheers that's a wrap on this episode of under the marquee to hear more great music from other independent artists, visit us at live at sunsetmarquee.com, where you can also RSVP for one of our upcoming shows. I'm your host, Christopher Cope, and remember, the best music in the world is seldom heard between 88 and 108.